You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to mini episode five of the Interning 101 podcast. Uh, we left off right as I was laid off from Live Nation Artists and was encouraged by my mentors as well as artists that I'd work with to start a management company instead of continue to work for people. So that's exactly what I did. Uh, I, I didn't incorporate, but in my signature, I, in my email signature, I called it Wizzle Inc. Uh, Wizzle was my touring nickname. Uh, A little silly and hipster, but to be fair, I was 25 years old. And yeah, just just started doing it. I, as mentioned, I was stuck in Miami for an additional additional six months and I was really, really antsy to move back to Brooklyn. Um, So I launched my first management company on my couch in Miami, had a beautiful view of water, but uh, it was not where I wanted to be. But that's life, I, I, I knew that would change. So just started working away, doing my thing. I knew I could manage artists with my laptop and phone, even when I was working at a management company. And I never had any plans to leave Madison House on my own. There was actually a rumor once that I was, and and that was hurtful because it wasn't true. But I think with the collapse of the traditional music industry, you know, in 2007 or whatever, when I was working at Madison House, it did cross my mind, should all hell break loose, I could do this from my bedroom if I needed to. So I had a little bit more space than a bedroom. I was working from my apartment in Miami, as as mentioned. And yeah, just started digging in. Uh, Amanda Palmer asked me to manage her. I eventually formed Whitesmith Entertainment, as anyone who knows me knows. Uh, And people ask me about the origins of that company all the time. Or rather, they would say, because at Whitesmith, we did music and comedy initially, people would say, oh, that's so forward thinking. You know, you do music and comedy. Really, the comedy part they thought was forward thinking. And as you'll hear, there, there was no master plan. It was, it was definitely fate. So when I started, quote, Whizzle Inc., I had thought about partners. But I, I don't regret this decision at all, but I feel differently about it now. Uh, at the time, I thought, I know all these music people but we know all the same people. I didn't really see the value in taking on a music partner. So just started chipping away, doing my thing. Uh, Amanda was promoting her record. She was friends with Margaret Cho, who we'd worked with a little bit on a Dresden Dolls DVD shoot. And I'm totally dating myself, but I like it. Uh, I said, I reached out to Margaret's manager at the time, Carrie Smith. And I said, uh, why don't we do a MySpace artist on artists with Margaret and Amanda? Cause they're both friends and both promoting things. And by the way, I'm starting a management company and Carrie wrote back 
and said, no way, I'm starting a management company too. Do you want to be business partners? Now, I have a lot of friends in the entertainment and music industries, but Carrie was strictly a colleague. And as mentioned, uh, Margaret Cho had emceed a huge Dresden Dolls DVD shoot at the Roundhouse in London. The Roundhouse is a very famous venue from decades ago, and it had reopened in 2006 or whenever we were doing these shows. So the Dresden Dolls had two nights sold out. It was a DVD shoot. There was a lot of money being spent. Um, my boss, Mike Luba, was like at his best friend's wedding. Um, my assistant, best friend, production manager, or a merch person, Laura Keating, also had a family thing going on. And everything that could have gone wrong at this London show did, which had a lot to do with this being the first show at this refurbished venue. Uh, but just minor example, and the last thing I wanted to deal with on a huge production like that was, you know, our guest list, which I was meticulous about, you know, was huge as it is in any for a certain level of artists uh, in any major market show. And I got a text or a call or something from a friend in London saying, hey, I'm not on the list. And I, I knew she was on because I had written the guest list. And I go out and check and our guests, I saw our guest list just like strewn aside. It might as well have been on the floor and was horrified because I knew not every, this was like, again, an international show. Yes, we had cell phones, but it, it was, there was no WhatsApp. It wasn't like now. So I was like, oh my gosh, we have like a 75 person guest list and the vast majority do not have my mobile number. So that's the last thing I want to deal with. Then Margaret Cho and Carrie shows up and I was like, great. And now we have a real celebrity with someone from a real management company. Uh, not that the management company I worked at, Madison House in New York, wasn't real, but it was... It was much more laid back. It was much more fly by the seat of your, your pants, jam band, stuff like that. And so they show up. So fast forward to Carrie saying, let's be business partners. I'll call you in a few hours. And so in between those few hours, I thought, why would she want to work with me? Like, you know, my artists, I always use New York venues. My artists can sell out like Webster Hall, like 1400 capacity, but her artists can sell out Radio City Music Hall, which is like 3500. Why would she want to work with me? So Carrie called me and she said, I'd always respected you. And I, I, I mentioned that backstory of my impression of her at the London show, because like I said, all hell was breaking loose. And I guess Carrie's impression of me was, wow, Emily really is organized and have it together. So it's not that I was faking it. Um, but I definitely tried to remain calm and under control. And maybe it's because I was holding a clipboard. It helped me look organized or something, even though I really did need the clipboard. So the other thing Carrie said about uh, besides respecting me was that the next project Margaret wanted to do was a musical comedy album with a bunch of her favorite artists. And Carrie was like, I don't really know where to begin with this project, you know, an album and all these music people. And I was like, oh, like, I, I think she told me some of the artists and I was like, oh, I know a bunch of those artists or their managers or whatever. So for me, it was a total no brainer. It was like, hell yeah. Like, you know, partner with uh, Margaret Cho's manager and someone who comes from a, a fancy management company. But yeah, we, we just dove in and I did tell her, you know, you know, we're eloping. Like we don't know each other at all. That Margaret Cho musical comedy album was our first project together. Um, it was self-released and it was nominated for a Grammy. So we all got to go to the Grammys after it came out, which was very fun. And yeah, those are the origins of White Smith Entertainment. I got to move back to New York, you know, that December or that January, whatever, at the end of the year, was so happy to be in Brooklyn. 
Um, we'll definitely share some content from those early days and and just started doing it. And another thing that happened around that time when I was still stuck in Miami was Twitter, basically. I don't know if it started, but you know, was definitely starting to become kind of a thing. It was like 2008. And I sarcastically joined the platform. I was like, maybe someone will care about what the, you know, this young woman starting a music company. I think a year later, I was named a must, uh, must follow executive by Billboard um, a couple years running. So my point is, you just got to try this stuff. You know, even this podcast that we're doing, it's like, I didn't set out to be an author. I had an inherent need to share information that I knew was crucial and, and would be helpful to people. So I wrote a book. And then I was asked to do a podcast. And today I was asked to be on a board um, about interning, which I won't get too into because I'm not on the board yet. But, you know, I was thinking about that when I just got that email. And you just like an artist, right? You create things that you believe in and you put it out into the world. And I never thought anyone would ask me to host a podcast on this or ask me to be on a board about interning and, and things like that. So uh, yeah, you just got to do it. Another note on Twitter quickly is that when I decided to join Twitter sarcastically, I told myself that I would only post positive things on the internet. I don't really know why I came up with that. It feels like a really smart thing to do now, 10 years later. But that's what I did to, I guess, grow my presence. I, again, I, it's, I've never run ads. I wasn't trying to grow anything. But yeah, and then even when I moved back to Brooklyn, you know, I'd be working away, burning the midnight oil, all of that, uh, working, 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 great, an artist gets a piece of press, tweet it, working, great, we're announcing a show, tweet that. And people would say to me in the industry, wow, you have so many things going on. And in reality, it's like, well, I'm just on my laptop working and sharing what our artists have going on. So just... We'll, we'll definitely do an episode about networking and branding yourself, which I know are kind of dirty words, but they are important. That's the origins of Whitesmith Entertainment. Move back to New York City. I don't know if other people are like this. Like, I, you know, that Whitesmith Entertainment was 10 years of my life. And it was so much, you know, like I was going through some of the content that we'll share with you all. And it was just unbelievable. We managed countless artists. I learned so much by working with a comedy manager, um, a minor, just a minor example. Very early on when we were working on the Margaret Cho album is Carrie said, oh, one of the demos leaked. It's up on YouTube. And I said, oh, that's great. You know, people will be excited. Spread the word. And she's like, no, like, it's not like music. And I'm not saying that's like the only strategy for music, but that was, that's where my head went. And, and Carrie pointed out, People don't want to hear their favorite joke over and over the way they like hearing their favorite song. You only get one shot at that. Yeah, it was great. I, I came back to New York. Um, we both picked up a few more clients and it was so it was really fun and educational and enlightening for me to go to these comedy events. It it was hilarious when comedians would try to like network with me and I'm like, I'm like the business spouse here. Uh, people comedians still try to network with me and and I definitely I'm connected in comedy now and do have a lot more knowledge. But like I said, I was the spouse and, and I'm really glad I was I was exposed to that, you know, whether it's selling TV shows or developing a comic and, you know, developing podcasts, stuff like that, that that was all Carrie's world. And, and I learned a ton. So my point is on the 10 years thing is I don't know if people feel this way about like school or like a relationship, like it was so much. And it's like all a blur, right? There was a lot in there. 
I definitely continue to come up with new music, uh, new business models for music that uh, centered around the artist. This was like the perfect storm, right? Just like it is for anyone. The first major panel I was ever asked to be on um, was at New Music Seminar. And my brilliant attorney, Joyce Dollinger, was like, prepare, 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 prepare. So that's really good advice for everyone because like no one prepares for panels. And so I got together with my friend, Nate Liu, the night before. Um, we were just like having fun. And I said, hey, can you like send me, can you uh, ask me some questions you think might be asked on this panel tomorrow? And he looked at the list of panelists and he's like, do, do you know who you're on a panel with? And I was like, no. And he's like, you're screwed. And he, his point was, it was really high level people. Thanks for the faith, Nate. It was Tom Silverman, obviously, because you know it's his conference. Terry McBride, Tim Westergren, the founder of Pandora, Steve Greenberg. I don't think Ted Cohen was on it, but you get the idea if, if you know who those people are. And I was nervous before until I was mic'd up by a young woman uh, or a young NYU student who said, I'm so glad to finally see a woman speak today. And then I was completely calm because I was like, oh, this has nothing to do with me and like being nervous. This has everything to do with showing students and young women like this NYU student that they can be a tour manager, manager, entrepreneur, company owner, all those things too. So I don't remember what I said on this panel, but immediately after um, Terry McBride was tweeting about me, Tim Westergren, the Pandora founder was like, if I were in a band now, I would want Emily White to be my manager. I was in Billboard, Me Dem, you know, the prestigious conference in the South of France was in the audience. They immediately asked me to get involved with their conference. I, I think I've spoken at 10 Me Dems after that or something crazy. Um, so that was, that was a huge launching pad for kind of my B2B career. And that, you know, built into, um, like I said, I was creating new business models for artists and I was at Medem, probably not the following Medem, probably like 20, I guess it would have been, I guess it would have been 2012. So a few years after that panel, a lot of work in between then. I was hiding at Medem in the VIP. I was hunched over and working because something that's really challenging about speaking at and attending conferences is you have to do your job also. So uh, Bill Wordy, the brilliant editor at Billboard at the time. I mean, I'm not saying he's brilliant because of what he's about to do for me, but I, he really is brilliant. And you guys should all check him out. He's, he's uh, doing great work at Syracuse University now. But yeah, Bill's like, you know, you are just everywhere. And it was true. It was like, me dem does these daily papers. Like my face was on the cover every day. It was like, I don't usually believe in awkwardness, but kind of awkward. He's like, you are everywhere what do you have going on? And I started sharing with him some of the business models I was creating and what we were doing. And he was like, have we covered this? And I was like, no. Long story short, they put my name on the cover about how I was rewriting indie. They did a four page photo shoot article, the whole thing. Um, really crazy. And I guess I'm talking about all that because it was weird. It was exciting. I think I understand the value of it now, but I was so young. I was like, well, what does this mean? Like, what's next? And, you know, that's a, that's a great lesson for everyone because I remember sitting on my couch, literally looking at this Billboard magazine that my intern had like rushed over from wherever the earliest place we could get it. And I felt like my career in the music industry was like climbing a mountain and you're climbing, climbing, climbing. And this bill, as, as this Billboard spread is in my lap, I felt like I had gotten to the summit 
And I looked around at the summit and I was like, no one is here. And I realized and realize now that it really is all about the journey. Like I love being a boss. I love my life. I love the control that I have and the creativity and all the stuff I do. But as hard as it was kind of climbing to quote the top, we had a blast. You know, I was touring the world with my best friend. I was working with artists that I loved and believed in so much. So when you're in those moments in presumably in your twenties, like working your butt off, like, how is this going to end? I mean, I would have those thoughts when I'm at the office at like 11 o'clock at night, or like I said, you're climbing, climbing, climbing towards that goal. You have to appreciate the process and the journey. And it's totally cliche. I talk about it in the book, you know, life's a journey, not a destination, but it really, really is true. And, And what I will say is I think it makes me appreciate the process so much more now. You know, it's super nerdy, but I love going to bed early so I can get up early and do a great workout and just and meditate and feel refreshed and ready to go. Like I just, I love my process so much that, uh, yeah, try to appreciate that on the way up because I don't run around to shows anymore like I used to and that was the best. So Yeah, like I said, I'm trying to distill 10 years for you guys. And and like I said, I don't know if other people are like this about like school or relationships, but it's like, it's kind of a blur, right? Like I have to like go through my social media to check it out. But um, we'll include my bio on this. You can read about all the great artists we worked with and and stuff like that. And Whitesmith Entertainment ended last year after 10 years. And Carrie and I are totally good personally. It's, I feel the need to say that. I think anyone would say that, but especially... um, as two women feel the need to say that had nothing to do with money or anything like that. Carrie has evolved a lot in her life in a lot of ways. I want to respect her privacy. So I'm obviously not going to go into details about evolving. If she wants to talk about that, that's that that's up to her. But in reality, she, she moved on from management, you know, she dropped her clients and uh, wanted to explore other things. And uh, she, she isn't the first manager I know that left management, and she won't be the last. Um, so we ended very, very amicably. It just didn't make sense to um, keep doing this when I had a million clients and things going on, and she was changing directions in her life. So that's sad, you know, personally, it's, it's fine professionally, it's, it's sad that we built this brand um, that was so respected and built up all this goodwill. That said, I didn't really love having my name on the company. I, to this day, I'm not, I mean, I love, I love our name now, Collective Entertainment, but I'm not always the greatest at coming up with names and our, the quality of our work speaks for itself. But yeah, when we were deciding on the name, I was at the Reading Festival in the UK on my like crappy UK mobile and Carrie, actually, Margaret Cho came up with the name White Smith or the origins of it. Um, Margaret said, I want people to think you guys are like, you know, old rich guys on the 50th floor. Why don't you call it like Smith White Enterprises or something? And I said to Carrie on this crappy connection in the middle of a field in England, I said, I know you don't know me very well. So I swear I'm not like saying this because of ego or whatever, but I think White, White Smith flows a little bit better kind of as its own word. And that was it. But even then, I didn't love having my name on the company because perfect example, what if someone leaves? What if someone changes their name, you know, gets married, whatever. So, so yeah, so Whitesmith ended um, 
we had a 10 year run. It, it feels like I said, it feels weird that it ended because if I'm generalizing, there's, you know, usually a dispute between partners or money or whatever. It wasn't any of that. It was just the evolution of life. So I, it feels weird to distill 10 years into a 20 minute mini episode, but that's exactly what we did. And like I said, I'll share my bio and, and all that if you want to dig in further, because those that was a pretty epic 10 years. So on next week's mini episode, uh, that'll get us pretty caught up as far as my backstory goes and, and things like that to reference. So I will talk about the launch of Collective Entertainment, which if you've listened to episode one, you heard that it was actually founded. Collective Entertainment was founded uh, by myself with former interns. They obviously didn't become partners overnight, uh, but I think that is the goal for a lot of people from intern to CEO, from intern to partner. But uh, Katrina Bleckley and Melissa Garcia definitely put the work in to take it step by step. Thanks for listening to mini episode five on Whitesmith Entertainment, my Technically, my I guess my second management company after, quote, Whizzle Inc. for a month, but that's kind of the same thing. Next week, we will talk about the launch of Collective Entertainment, get us up to date, and continue to dig in on topics from the Interning 101 book. Thanks so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Thanks so much for listening to the Interning 101 podcast. I'm your host, Emily White. You can follow us anytime over on Twitter at Interning101, as well as on our website, interning101.com. I'm on Twitter at, at @emwizzle. Hit us up anytime if you have questions, comments, guest suggestions, or just want to get something off your mind. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.